to God's Word as we turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. Actually, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. (laughs) Hear the word of the Lord. For it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and was very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? Now Tobiah uh, the Ammonite was near him, and he said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Hear, O God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Do not forgive their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. So we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashadites, Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. But we prayed to our God, and because of them, we, sat, we set up a guard against them day and night. Thus, in Judah it was said, The strength of the burden bearers is failing. Yet there is much rubbish, and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Our enemies said, They will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, They will come up against us from every place where you turn, you may turn. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall the exposed uh, places, and I stationed the people in, f- in families with their swords, spears, and bows. Then I saw their fear. I arose and stood uh, and spoke to the nobles of the officials and of the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work, while half of them held the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens took their load with one hand doing the work, and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword, girded at his side as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated 
on the wall far from one another. At whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we carried on the work with half of them holding spears from dawn until the stars appeared. At that time, I also said to the people, let each man with his servants spend the night with within Jerusalem so that they may be a guard for us by night and a laborer by day. So neither I, my brothers, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us removed our clothes. Each took his weapon even to the water. Please be seated. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we we pray that you would help us to remember the wonderful things that you've done for your saints of old, how you have lifted them up from danger, from discouragement, from fear. We pray, O Lord, that by your word and your Holy Spirit that you would help us to undo the work of the evil one who seeks to discourage us and bring us to fear, O Lord. Help us, we pray, build the walls of your church and help us to heed your word, to receive your word, and to, Lord, to grow in holiness by means of your word. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. If you seek to be godly, you will suffer persecution. It is inevitable you will face opposition. Now, if you deny the Lord Jesus Christ, if you always refrain from telling the truth, even when prompted to, if you become all things to all people, if um, you do those things, it will be easy for you. You'll have an easy, cushy, quasi-Christian life, but you will not inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. Uh, I know um, that Scripture says that if we are ashamed of Christ before men, he will be ashamed of us before the Father. We must not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. And I know the Scripture says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, according to Romans twelve eighteen. However, there are occasions where people will challenge you and people will prompt you to make a stand for Christ or to deny Christ. Which will it be? Um, Some of you may remember times past where you've not made that stand. Maybe you were afraid. Maybe you were fearful. And for some reason you didn't stand for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Well, I, I hope that if that's the case, that God will give you repentance. And that would be something that would cause you grief over your sin. Because it's not the way of a Christian to be ashamed of your Lord. And when God gives you opportunity, you are to speak the truth in love, to be that witness that God calls you to be. God, would, God desires for us to have a holy confidence and not to be double-minded, not to be afraid, not to be a coward, but to be one who is bold for the sake of Christ. Today's text talks a lot about those who were afraid, who were fearful. They were fearful of the attack of enemies surrounding them. And these Jews were living in a dangerous area, and they were afraid because their wall was broken down. 
and their gates were burned with fire. And this was something that troubled Nehemiah. The, the godly sorrow of Nehemiah brought him to prayer, to fasting, and to great mourning, not only of the sin of the people that caused him to get in this ridiculous mess in the first place, to have their city destroyed and then being brought into captivity, but also he grieved over the condition of the people who were in such a sad condition, being defenseless and at the mercy of the pagan peoples who surrounded them. Now, often in America, you could have people of different religions, Muslims and Hindus and all kind of other religions that live next to us. They could be neighbors. But there's usually not antagonism or fighting or or anything that's of a, a dangerous sort. But that was not the case for the Jews at this time. Those uh, pagan peoples who were around them actually voiced death threats to them, as we read in today's text. So uh, Nehemiah, he mourned, he prayed, he fasted for days, and then as the faithful servant, um, the cupbearer for the king Artaxerxes, uh, the most powerful ruler at the time of the kingdom of Persia, he was granted um, a, an, a voice uh, to speak his mind before the king. The king noticed his grief and his sadness and asked him what was going on. So Nehemiah told them about this, the condition of his people back in Jerusalem. And then in the middle of the conversation, he's praying, Oh God, give me favor in the sight of this man. In the middle of the conversation, he's praying unto God. And then God does give him favor. God's good hand was upon Nehemiah. The king gave him leave for 12 years to go and to serve as a governor or ruler uh, to help rebuild the wall and establish his people. And then afterwards, he returned back home. Um, Notice that Nehemiah's godly sorrow uh, spurred him on to action rather than leading him into despair. As we look at today's text, the main focus of today's text is that we are to seek God's help to overcome. We are to seek God's help to overcome discouragement and fear. And we're going to see this in two main points. The first main point is the rage and tactics of God's enemies. And the second is the perseverance, faith, and prayer to overcome. Let's look at this first main point the rage and tactics of God's enemies. Now, don't be surprised that God's uh, enemies, namely Satan, the evil one, and his minions want to get at you because they rage against you. (coughs) They are angry at the wicked. I mean, they are angry at the righteous every day. Uh, Psalm 2 that's printed there in in your outline says, The nations are in a uproar. The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. I could translate that against his Christ. So when you read the word Christ, that's what it means, anointed one. Yes, the anointed one, Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Son of God, was spoken of long, long, long before he was even born. We should not be surprised when... The people of the world who do not know the Lord God are opposed to the anointed of God, the Christ of God. And in like fashion, if they are opposed to the Christ, they are opposed to those who represent Christ, namely Christians, namely you. Um, We see that they were angry in today's text. These 
these heathens, these nations were raging. And, and Nehemiah 4 verse 1. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. Sometimes the Hebrew does this. It piles on adjectives. So they, they weren't just angry. They were angry and very, they were very angry and furious. They weren't just a little upset. They were like rabid dogs. Verse 7 speaks again about their anger. Look at verse 7. It says, Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. In like fashion, modern atheists and modern anti-Christian apologists are angry when they see the progress of uh, the work of the kingdom. There are a lot of angry people about Roe versus Wade, aren't they? Aren't there? A lot. They're raging. What do they want to do? Uh, violence, vandalism, destruction. They, uh, some people have even had death threats. Some in America want to rage, pillage, and destroy. And they do this when things don't go their way politically or socially because they have an agenda and their agenda is not going the way they plan because God has his agenda instead. Like Sanballat and his companions, they want to have an unholy tantrum. And they rage. But that's nothing new. Again, the heathen rage against the anointed of God and those who represent the anointed of God. But when God's enemies rage, notice their tactics. They're angry, but they mock and they seek to discourage God's people. Look at verses 2 and 3. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burnt ones? Now, now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, it would break the, their stone wall down. In like fashion, people in America may mock you for what you do. They will mock, and they hope, their aspiration is that by mocking you, they might cause you some shame. And by causing you shame, you might buckle and do what they say instead of what God says. And young people have to be, a, they have to be really uh, prepared for this because you will have some who will seek to give you peer pressure to be like them, to be ungodly like them. And this can even happen in a Christian school. If you are not committed to God and to his work, their words will discourage you from doing what is right and holy. But if it's not enough to stop you from doing the work by trying to make you ashamed, by trying to mock you, by trying to make fun of you, by saying all kind of discouraging things to you, look at what they do next. Satan's minions will threaten you and they will actually seek to harm you. Verse 8. All of them conspired together and um, to come 
and fight against Jerusalem and to cause disturbance in it. And skipping to verse 11, our enemy said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us this uh, ten times, they will come up against us from every place where you may turn. You think these people were worried? They didn't tell Nehemiah and his, the leadership once or twice or three times. They kept saying it over and over again. Nehemiah, this is what they're saying. This is what they're doing. They're going to try and they're going to... They're They're going to ambush us from all around at any moment now. Ten times. The people of God were fearful. They were fearful because the enemy surrounded them on every side. And again, this was not empty threats. They weren't just saying that they were wanting to hurt them or harm them or kill them. They were actually intending to attack and kill Verse 15 mentions that they're being uh, frustrated, their plan being frustrated. They were looking for an opportune time, and then later on they didn't get it, so their plans were frustrated. We'll look a little bit more at that later. But these Jews were fearful. They were fearful of a sudden attack from any side. Maybe some of them had extremely bad, terrible insomnia. They couldn't rest. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't think. Their minds were not on the building, and they were frustrated. Now, when you get discouraged or you get fearful, what are you to do? Well, we have a lesson from today's text. These godly men and women were given the answer, and here is the answer in God's uh, word. Perseverance, faith, and prayer helped them to overcome. That's the next main point. Perseverance, faith, and prayer to overcome. Again, what were they having to overcome? Primarily, discouragement, fear, doubts, and I would say distraction. How are you going to build a wall when, you, when you, you, your eyes are darting around looking for who's coming out, out of the woodwork next to, to, to ambush you? But under Nehemiah's leadership, these Jews became overcomers. And let's see how they did it. Perseverance was the first key to overcoming. Perseverance is described as a persistence, a stubborn determination to complete your objective even in the midst of vehement opposition, even under great hardship. That's what perseverance is. If you endure great hardship, you have perseverance. Notice um, it says, even when they were being mocked, some of them remained steadfast and diligent. Look at verse 6. It says, so we built the wall, and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. As many of you probably have a footnote in your, in your Bibles that the word there is actually heart. They actually uh, literally had a heart to work. I love that statement. Great gains can be made when someone has a heart to work. They have a mind to work. They have a motivation to work rather than a lazy spirit. Managers of businesses love it when their employees have a mind and a heart to work. Parents love it when their children have a heart and mind to work. 
teachers love it when their students have a heart and mind to work, and these people had a heart and mind to work. So they were persevering even in the face of opposition. The second thing they did to overcome is faith. Verse 10 recorded how some of those in Judah were being discouraged and they needed faith. Um, Look at verse 10. Thus in Judah it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing and yet there is much rubbish and we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Notice this is what was said after half the wall was already built uh, to half its original height. But you can guess if they built half of that massive wall, uh, repairs of that wall, they were getting tired and weary. Verse 5 suggests that the mocking of the surrounding pagans had them demoralized. They were getting discouraged because the words that were spoken against them were discouraging Nehemiah encouraged the people to have faith in God, that God would help them to complete the work that he had begun, that they began underneath the leadership of Nehemiah, that God led them to. Look at verse 14. Then I saw their fear. I arose and spoke to the nobles, to the officials, and to the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, um, and uh, your houses. Now, a little word here against pacifism. Um, There's something called an absolute pacifist. And I have a little definition here that's given by the BBC. An absolute pacifist is someone who believes that it is never right to take part in war. Even in the case of self-defense, they think that the value of human life is so high that nothing can justify the killing of a person deliberately. And they usually hold this view as a basic moral or spiritual principle. An example of that is the Mennonites. They refuse all violence in any form whatsoever. Now, they might say something like this. Just have faith that God will help you and he will make you Have a way out of this violence. Just have faith that God will help you. Well, what was the case here? God, through Nehemiah, encouraged the people. Have faith. Have faith that God's going to be with you. He's going to protect you. He's going to help you do this work. God is with you. But notice, take up your spears, take up your swords, take up your bows and arrows, your javelins, and um, defend yourself. Be ready. Be on guard. Um, it, it says here, in, um, under Nehemiah, the people were taught to have faith, yet they were to be well armed. They were to have guards day and night. Verse 9. When they had gaps in the wall, they were to station the peoples and the families with their swords and spears and bows. Verse 13. They were instructed to work yet being well-armed while working. Look at uh, verses 16 through 20. Let's look at that. 4, 16 through 20. From that day on, half of my servants carried on the work, while half of them held spears, the shields, and the bows, and the breastplates, and the captains were behind the whole house of Judah. Those who were rebuilding the wall and those who carried burdens 
took their load with one hand doing the work and the other holding a weapon. As for the builders, each wore his sword girded at his side as he built. When the trumpeters stood near me, we'll stop there. They were well armed and ready to fight. Their faith led them to seek God's face in prayer. Notice in verse 4, it's a, this is what we call an imprecatory prayer, uh, a prayer that God would protect, but also God would cause harm, you could say in a way, to those who are against God's people. At verse 4, it says, Hear, O God, hear, O our God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their own heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. Now, in verse uh, 5, it says, Do not forgive their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out before you, for they have demoralized the builders. Now, this is something that I struggle with personally because Jesus says, Pray for your enemies. Don't bless them. Don't curse them. Now, if you still have the old red, not the burgundy, but the the more bright red uh, Trinity hymnal, I think that the most blessed New New Testament interpretation of an imprecatory psalm or an imprecatory prayer is found in in that wonderful hymn, Stand Up, O God, Be Present Now. And... One of the things that I love about it, it's an imprecatory psalm that's put to music, but it's God cast them down so that upon their knees they call out unto you. I love that. Yes, you're praying that, Lord, cast them down, break their teeth, humble them, break their leg even, but bring them to their knees so that humbled they would call upon Jesus Christ our Lord. I think that's how we reconcile the imprecatory psalms and the imprecatory prayers of the Old Testament. Now, in verse 5, Nehemiah is clearly praying for their damnation. He says, let them be damned. But we have to interpret this prayer in light of the New Testament. This is before the giving of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. And many of the enemies of God who were former enemies, God has now brought unto himself. Now, if someone who wants to pray that all Muslims would be damned, well, what about the Muslims who came, have come to Christ? There are a lot of Muslims who've come to Christ. And I think we should pray that God would humble them and make them bow down to the dust and receive Jesus Christ. But that is the way that we reconcile these imprecatory prayers. Notice, again, a beautiful prayer in verse 9. He prayed, God prayed that God, uh, Nehemiah prayed that God would help them. But notice, he says, they prayed, but what did they do? They set up guard day and night. Yes, pray, yet arm yourselves. And setting up guard day and night, they were ready for the fight. And if the battle did break out, if the trumpet would sound, it was to rally everyone in one location to fight. But notice the faith that Nehemiah had. He says, if that happens, if this trumpet sounds, if we have to gather and rally and fight, our God will fight for us. 
beautiful word of faith. God calls you to seek his help to overcome discouragement and fear. Because there's a lot of things in life that are discouraging. And there are a lot of things that can bring us to be afraid. But God's enemies will rage against Christ. And they will rage against you. The tactics of Satan are manifold. He seeks to discourage you, to mock you. His people seek to mock you and discourage you. They might even voice threats of violence against you. Some may actually try to inflict violence against you. Sometimes empty threats, sometimes actual threats with actual actions. And this could be discouraging. This could lead you to fear or be afraid. And that could wreck your faith, can it? God doesn't want you to be afraid. And he doesn't want you to be discouraged. He wants you to press on and to continue the fight. The saints of old combined perseverance, faith, and prayer. And they overcame discouragement and fear. In verse 15, it says that Nehemiah remarks how the enemies realized that God had frustrated their plan. And that all of us returned to the wall, each one to his own work. When God helps you to overcome fear and discouragement, you can return to the work for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. But first and foremost, my question is, if you are to overcome, the beginning of it all is, do you have faith? Do you have faith? Faith is a gift of God. It's not of your own. It must be born of God. You must have faith that comes from above. God must give you faith by His Holy Spirit. If you struggle with faith, if you struggle with fear, the answer is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Ask God to give you that faith, to give you that boldness, to help you make a defense of your faith, to make you stand rather than falter, to not be discouraged, to not be afraid, to speak the truth in love, to give a faithful witness for the sake of Christ. Now, if you have faith, or you say you have faith, but you have a prayerless Christian walk, maybe you have a faithless Christian walk, because if you have faith, you will pray. Like Nehemiah, ask God if that is the case for you, that he would, that he would forgive you of your sins, and Lord, that he, would, that he would make you, the Lord would make you have perseverance, faith, and a life of prayer and hope, knowing that God hears us. If God gave his only begotten son, how will he not also give us all things good and necessary for our sakes? Pray. Again, if you're a prayerless person, you're a, you are a faithless person. Repent if that is your case. And ask God to give you that faith and that assurance and that confidence that you may make your stand for Christ. Let's pray. Our beloved Lord, we pray that you would give us perseverance. That you would help us to labor and to work even in the midst of trials and sufferings and persecutions and mockings. Help us, we pray, to have courage, that is, that willingness 
to even continue and to press on even in the midst of those who try to make us afraid, that we would have courage even in the midst of the fear that is we struggle with. And Lord God, we pray that you would help us to have faith, that we would seek your face in prayer, that we would know that we are confident that you are with us and that you are not against us, that you will fight for us. Fight for us, O God, for we cannot do it on our own. Help us, for we desperately need your help. Forgive us of our many sins. Lord, help us to overcome fear and discouragement. And help us, we pray, to rebuild the walls of your kingdom, to exalt and uplift Jesus Christ for all to see. For we ask this in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our psalm of dedication, let's turn for our closing psalm of dedication 20b, as in boy, the Lord in your distress attend. Let's stand and sing 20b.